0: We back. Another week, another episode. How are you feeling tonight, Jordan? I'm good, Sam. Hi, so How you doing, man? Fantastic. Good. Good to hear it. Super, super excited for our guest today.
1: Who is it? Who is it, bro? I can't say. Who is it, man? All right, all right, all right. Don't do this to me, man. All all, all jokes
0: aside, all waiting aside, today we have a very (laughs) esteemed guest. Alex Cram. Alex is the VP and head of global retail and licensing and consumer products at Warner Music Group. So she has a really incredible job where she leads the global consumer products team within Warner. They're responsible for really creating a lot of the the products around different artists. So finding different ways to monetize an artist outside of their music, outside of getting sync deals on TV and whatnot. But whether it's it's merch opportunities or we dive deep into this app that they built with Wiz Khalifa that's been really successful. Um, I think it's really interesting to hear her her perspective on how you can create different lines of revenue around an artist and do so in a way that's very authentic to who they are and really engages the, their fan base in a way where it's not like just them selling a product, but it's more just them being themselves and creating a, a tighter knit community and business around what they love and who they are. So... Really enjoyed it myself. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, I think, you know, in our line of work, we can obviously fall into the trap of of doing what everybody else has done. So just like regular merch lines, you know, regular tortes, that sort of thing. And her job is pretty much to find the other stuff too, which I think is like super interesting. Um, but one thing I think is super awesome and she gets in this to the episode is just the way she leads. Um and I, I liked what she said about diversity of thought, right? Every day I'm like, man, I should I should even my girlfriend was like, you got to read a fiction book every now and then. You keep, you keep reading all these business books. Now I'm reading a fiction book. And those things teach you about life, you know. So um, it was just super awesome not only hearing about the work that she does, but how she, how she stokes confidence and creativity within her, within her team.
0: Totally. Well, without any further ado, we're just going to jump right into it. Let's do it. Alex, how are you today?
2: I'm great. Thanks.
0: Super excited to have you on the show.
2: Likewise.
0: So I think uh, Jordan and I were talking before the show. I mean, you definitely have such a broad range of experience and have accomplished a lot of really cool things. So excited to dive into all these different lanes. Um, For starters, though, can you just talk a little bit about shortly how you got into the music industry?
2: Oh, I kind of fell into it, to be completely honest, which I'm finding is somewhat rare uh, in the music industry. People tend to see that as their goal, go after it and stay in it for Pretty much their entire career. I came from the entertainment side, so I was at Viacom for many years. Then I had my own agency, working in the consumer products marketing and branding space, working with like lifestyle brands and some musicians. And then ultimately went into Warner one day. Thought I was going to get a new client. Kind of three months later, ended up having a full time job. Even though I swore that I was never going to go back in full time ever again. Yeah. Um, but it worked out. The culture was great. The people were great. And my boss is fabulous, so I stayed for five years.
0: That's amazing. When it, given that you have this experience outside of the music industry, can you talk a little bit of high level as to different work charis, work characteristics unique to the music industry, or like how the code of conduct has changed?
2: <clears throat> well, I will say that the music industry is pretty much a one hundred and eighty from the corporate entertainment world mm-hmm. that exists out there. Yeah. Uh, it was funny because, like, my first full week on the job, I was coming in wearing my blazers and yeah. pumps. <laughs> People were giving me the side eye, like, who's this suit? <laughs> so I quickly learned that I should wear my sneakers and I <laughs> happily never turned back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think coming from the corporate world has, landed, or has lent some really great value to the music mm-hmm. culture because I come from a place that's really process-oriented, right. project-focused, mm-hmm. detail and I find that the music industry lacks that mm-hmm. quite
0: a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like in my experience, too, there's a lot of, uh, like, everything's urgent. There's a lot less foresight, generally speaking, in music, relative to other industries.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the goal is always shifting. Yeah. You know, an artist, you can plan as much as you want for an album to drop mm-hmm. at a certain time frame, but they could wake up that morning, change their mind, and say, I'm dropping it today. Right. And then all your plans... Just kind
1: of go out the window. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Also, a lot of what I do is convincing artists try to, to to not do that. Yes. <laughs> like, like, I've had so many conversations. where I'm like, you, sh- you, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure? Because it changes everything. You well,
2: know,
1: that's
2: a good okay. manager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wish more were
1: like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that's something that I've noticed a lot in music. And um, you know, we, I was just talking to my boss recently about what my strengths and my weaknesses are. And I think one of them is just realizing when there's chaos and trying to organize it. And I think that is kind of the music industry at large, you know, like as soon as I joined it, I came from, you know, NYU, where I was taking everything super, it was, it had to be organized my classes, even the way that we signed up for classes, you had to do it in a way where they had to get approved. There were so many processes. And then I would felt like as soon as I started working in the industry, it was a constant, like, what is happening <laughs> like what? Like yeah. what is going on? So,
2: yeah, and there—I mean—there's something to be said about having too much process. Also, yeah, yeah. But the music world is like—I mean—it's the complete <laughs> lack thereof. Like there's semblance of it, but in reality, there's no real process. <laughs> at the end of the day, you're dealing with artists. Yeah, you know? yeah. And artists are emotionally driven, creative beings. You know, so they change their mind. It's not like an animated character or a movie that you plan 18 months out. Yeah. hmm.
1: How do you how do you I guess work with that?
2: You have to be willing to flex for sure. You have to have somewhat of a thick skin. And you have to know, especially in my world, anytime I'm doing a deal, I have to know that it could change at any given moment. Mm. And to be prepared for potential outcomes should it change. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of being flexible and creative and kind of finding those opportunities to make things right when they kind of go left.
0: Right. Right. That's awesome. Can you talk a little bit about how your role has evolved throughout the years at Warner?
2: Sure. I mean, I think I came in to really help build the licensing aspect at Warner Music, which if you're in the music industry, typically when you hear the word licensing, you think of licensing the artist's music to like a commercial or some sort of ad or something of that Mm -hmm. nature, sync licensing. I'm in the consumer product space, so everything I do is about licensing, the artist's name and likeness onto a product, a collaboration, Mm -hmm. some sort of promotion, Mm -hmm. something of that nature. Um, It's evolved. So now I oversee retail as well. It's also a global role. We've also signed a lot of artists that are off of our label. So we sit in a hub of Warner Music, which is Warner, Electra, Atlantic, Big Beat, and so on. But we've worked with artists outside of those labels looking to monetize outside of music.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And so when people think outside of music, I mean, it it instantly goes to merch. But outside of merch, which we would like to dive into, what are other channels of like monetization or unique opportunities that you've uh, been excited by and driven success for artists with?
2: Sure. So Artist Services, which is kind of the hub where I sit, mm-hmm. we're central to all of Warner Music's label uh, or umbrella labels, so to speak and merch is definitely an aspect of it it's kind of where the origin story is born is that black t-shirt kind Uh of concert merchandise piece Mm -hmm. but it's evolved to include things like their vip experience their tour merchandise obviously building out their website and kind of their e-commerce profile Mm -hmm. and then my world of retail and licensing
0: that's awesome um when it comes to merch i mean i feel What are some of the most creative merch activations you've come across, you've seen, or you've worked on?
2: Oh, man. (laughs) Well, we were chatting a little bit before we jumped on here, but I've been dabbling a lot in the virtual space. So merch is no longer something that is necessarily physical and tangible. A lot of artists, they're on their phones all the time. They're playing games or they're building communities that way. And so we're tapping into that and kind of leveraging those opportunities for the artists to either appear in a game. Maybe they do a virtual concert. Maybe they sell virtual merchandise. Maybe they have their own game, mm-hmm. which is the case of Wiz Khalifa. So we created Wiz Khalifa's Weed Farm, which basically bridges his love for cannabis and the legitimacy of that industry <laughs> into the mobile gaming aspects, mm-hmm. um, And it's been extremely successful we have over 10 million downloads since it launched. and <laughs> That's,
1: That's awesome. That's so awesome. You t- do you take care of a weed farm? Like yeah. you have to like have the plants it. grow and everything?
2: Yeah, tend to the plants. You got to pick your strains.
1: Damn. You got
2: to, you know, count your inventory. You got to stack your truck. You got to deposit it.
1: Is it a thing where when you deli- and I won't get too deep into the game, but where, people, where consumers buy it, do they give you reviews? Like, can you make bad weed in the game? No, it's not quite <laughs> that detail. I was going like, but can you mess it up? Is you know that Reggie, I mean? right? <laughs> no, I don't mean it like that. I, I used to be like, can you mess the weed up in the game? Like, you can noticeably. mess it up only
2: by, you know, not paying attention to it. Uh, so okay. if you don't give it enough light or oh. water, if you don't water it, then mm-hmm. you're not going to get as many coins from it. So it's not going to be as profitable for you.
1: And in this game, can you buy Wiz Khalifa virtual merchandise?
2: Sort of. You can buy things relative to the game itself, um, but you're not we're not selling like a WizKleaf, but we farm t-shirt in the game.
1: Right, right, example. right, right. But you can buy, like you said, you can get coins. Can you buy more coins or something you like that? You can buy
2: that? gems. Wow. There's like a whole That is so system. crazy. That's, That's awesome. Like, there's a whole economy attached user. to I just,
1: it. I know. it's It's more so just thinking that artists can do this now. It's kind of like blowing my mind, you know, like honestly, when I think of when I think of things that artists do for for extra money and for things other than music, I don't, I, you know, I think video games, but as far as I've gotten so far as, you know, scoring something for a video game or getting something licensed to a video game, not like making a video game itself based off the artist's brand. And Wiz Khalifa has such a strong focused brand. It like totally makes sense for him.
2: It does make sense for him. It doesn't work for everyone, to be right. honest. And there have been artists that have tried, whether they're a musician or they're an influencer um, but it's kind of fight finding that like perfect sweet spot of great gameplay and a great theme and the great personality attached to it. And he's such part of that brand <laughs> and that culture that it's so authentic. Yeah. And he promotes it and we shoot a commercial kind of advertising it every year on 420. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrate the audience and the community. That's awesome. Anytime a new country or state goes legal, we'll do an event in that space wow. virtually.
1: That's a whole business in itself. The game. It's just the game. So when you're looking
0: at what we have a lot of artists and managers listen to the podcast and I'm sure they're thinking, how can I identify various opportunities? And I think you brought up this point of authenticity, which is super valuable. Is there a process you go through or how do you go about identifying potential opportunities for an artist? Like, Where do you start? Yeah.
2: Best case scenario is we have a great relationship with the manager Mm -hmm. or we get to know management, right? And management is willing to work with us. We get close. We start to understand the artist. We get a better get, you know, we get a better feel for what are they into? What are they not into? Mm -hmm. We get some level of direction. Mm -hmm. The best is when the artist knows exactly what they want to do in terms of industry or space or category. Because then we have a target we can focus in on. Mm. Totally. Otherwise, we're doing our own research. We're kind of stalking their profiles, Mm -hmm. looking at their history, figuring out, okay, well, this could be a really great, you know, this artist could really lend itself well to a Spirits collab because, you know, they're about that lifestyle and they love whiskey or whatever it may be. Um, But, best case, we have that relationship and we can kind of build from there.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Um, Super cool. When it does come to merch, what do you think is required for merch to stand out these days? Because I feel like there's this movement of people like the throw your face on a T-shirt. Isn't as sexy as it <laughs> used to be, right? Like people, which um, is cool. Cause I think people are like coming out with their own fashion lines or taking very unique angles towards how they could create, be creative and, and build apparel from your perspective are you pushing back? Like, are there a lot of times where just merch ideas are just too basic and you're like, uh, it's not gonna cut it. We need to think harder.
2: No, because surprisingly, and a lot of artists don't want to believe this, but like the tour t shirt is still the number one selling <sighs> shirt on a no, tour.
1: Oh, I know. And then at
2: retail, <laughs> that's the artist's face.
1: And oh, a I lot
2: of artists don't want their face on a shirt. I did not
1: know that. But I did know the tour shirt because the artists that I work with don't like Tour tees. A lot of artists don't <laughs> yeah, like yeah. tour Ts. They're yeah. like, I don't want to put this on tour. But it's the cool. number
2: one selling item that you can possibly carry <laughs> in your merch line well, on tour. And if you think about it, it's because as a fan, you go to a show for an artist you really like. You want to, you know, want to rep the fact that you were there. Yeah, right, you know, yeah. you can become the a walking billboard for the artist. For sure, it's good advertising. So that'll never go away. So as much as we throw out all these cockamamie ideas.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, they work. Yeah, do things, yeah, 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 like yeah. the
2: basics work. Yeah, and there's yeah, yeah, a reason why.
1: For sure. It's very interesting. With their face on it. I did not. I did not know that. So does that just mean a design with their face? Or you mean like specifically album covers or that sort of thing? Or like, do they work the same? Or
2: So on the retail side of things, you got to think, okay. The tour tee works well on tour because you have your super fan. Yeah. Who's buying a ticket, going to the show, buying a t-shirt, want to, you know, rock the fact that they were there. At retail, you're getting a casual customer. You're getting someone who may be into this artist, but they won't know the obscured graphic or design that mm-hmm. the artist wants to put on it to be cool they're going to recognize the artist's face and they're going to recognize the artist's name and they're going to pull it from the stack of t-shirts right. mm-hmm. that is available at that retailer, whether mm-hmm. it's Forever 21, H&M, or Hot Topic, for example. So you got to appeal to the audience where they're shopping, essentially.
1: Um, How does retail relate to, or does it at all relate to uh, online sales?
2: So again, I think you know, the tour kind of merchandise line is similar to an artist web store. Mm -hmm. So you're getting the super fan that's going to the artist web store ultimately. So they want the cool, unique items. That's Mm -hmm. where you can really have fun and play. Right. But at the end of the day, still t-shirts are the low hanging fruit. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's about giving your fans something special in the space that you own. That's different from what you can get at tour and what's different. You can get at retail.
1: Um, What is that creative process like to figure out what what will work for a specific artist in terms of like merchandise or, or just general products, that sort of thing? Is it a lot of like, you know, I just saw an interview with Diddy the other day and he was like, I just put on some whiskey. I just drink some whiskey and put on some James Brown and. I get a whiteboard out and I just go at, go at it. But obviously, that's that was like such a okay, ditty Diddy answer. Yeah, I was like, yeah. that was the most Diddy answer you could have said. So how, <laughs> how totally do you, how do you, how do you, how do you actually come up with creative ideas? <laughs>
2: I mean, it it varies completely depending on the artist. Uh-huh. So it's completely case by case. Some you know like Diddy who will drink some whiskey we'll smoke a blunt come up with some ideas that way others you know they like to us to be a little bit more creative and kind of come up with a mood board and Mm. ideas to present to them so it kind of goes both ways but it's about tapping into them as a brand and kind of what represents them especially Mm -hmm. for that album cycle
1: right do you ever get to the point of like let's just hang out with the artist for a little bit and get to know them and their personality a little more
2: That would be ideal. (laughs) That would be ideal. But I think we're at this place and we were kind of talking about it earlier before we went on that artists are starting to get more hip to the fact that this is a viable kind of line of business for them. Right. But the majority of them haven't gotten there yet. So, and I get it. They're focused on the music. So this is an afterthought. Mm -hmm. So unless it has to do with the album they're making or the single or whatever they're dropping, They kind of look to us or other folks to do the heavy lifting in that
1: respect. Right, right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. I'm still figuring out what my process looks like on that, to be completely honest. It's a mix of like throwing stuff up against the wall and also asking creatives. I know like, you know, do you have any ideas? Reaching out to designers. Just bought uh, merchandise design from someone off Instagram who just had it on there. That happens a lot. Yeah, had it on there. uh page and it was like a commemorative piece to the artist, And then I and then the artist was like, Can we put that on the shirt? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> so um
2: that happens a lot. And a lot of artists yeah. themselves look to social media and to their fans for inspiration. So I mean these platforms like Instagram have opened up the entire world and the entire community for an artist or for a business really. So they can kind of see firsthand something and be like oh that's really dope like I want to work with that person and I want to flesh out this design Mm -hmm. and we've had cases where artists find someone literally on Instagram because they tag them in a post and then they end up hiring them to do all of their designs Mm, so it happens
1: Um, so what does it look like to grow a merch business obviously when you're at the scale of like a Wiz Khalifa or an A-lister it's like you kind of have flexibility on what you can put out because sales obviously they're going to be good no matter what obviously you need to push yourself to get to get uh, your merch business as successful as possible at any stage, but for like the small artist, how do you suggest that they grow it small and then and then build from there?
2: I think I think it would benefit the artist to really get to know their fan, mm-hmm. start talking to them, listening to them, and kind of building what that merch program looks like as a direct result of that listening mm. and kind of that observation. We had an artist Melanie Martinez who was very early in her career and said she wanted a fragrance. And, you know, it was so early on that the likelihood of that happening on a large scale was pretty slim. But mm-hmm. she knew exactly what her fans want. She was like, no, I know my fans want mm-hmm. this. I want to give this to them. I want to make this happen. And so we were able to make it happen for her. And, you know, she sold thousands of bottles <laughs> like in a span awesome. of a week it's pretty incredible and it's all because she listened to her fans Uh and she was in touch with them regularly and she knew exactly who she was and what she wanted to kind of represent when it came to the product space
1: right awesome
0: yeah i mean it's interesting you see as people are growing influence and direct access to their audience via social media just more and more like brands coming up i mean like kylie jenner major story right now having just recently sold like 51 percent of her cosmetics line for
1: 600 million it's
2: insane yeah cody big it, yeah big player in that space
1: yeah it's wild wow that's yeah. a lot that's a lot of it's money. isn't her team not even that big i think they got like 10 people on that team it's or small, like yeah that. yeah yeah yeah
0: it's wild that's a, that's a mean, lot i of think money. it's interesting <laughs> and i feel like to the extent that even if you create a product with your branding and a value proposition that resonates with your audience. But even then it's like, you don't have to recreate like reinvent the wheel. Like you just need to brand it in a way that resonates with your fan base and you can build a thriving business around it.
2: A hundred percent. I mean, social media, like I said earlier, it's opened up the community, but it's also opened up commerce Yeah, tremendously. So back in the day, you know, like Jay-Z had a Aware, and it was all of a sudden in department stores, mm, right. you know, nationally. And it kind of became this gold standard of like, well, if I'm at, you know, XYZ store, then I've made it. But right. today you don't need that. Yeah, you bypass, you go direct to the consumer. Yeah. So Kylie has done, so a lot of our artists have done. It's what Melanie did with her fragrance. She went direct to the consumer and never hit retail. And yeah. she didn't need to.
1: It's like Chance the Rapper. He makes like millions of dollars from those hats with the threes on them. Like millions of dollars. (laughs) All online. Yeah, all online. All online. Small team too. Yeah, yeah, Um,
0: yeah. I I wonder what the threshold is. Is when an artist should really start exploring and leaning into that. As far as like like community and fan base size. I think
2: it's never too early to no. start. Yeah. I think it's about managing your own expectations as an artist as right. to what that's going to look like financially in the beginning. Right. But I don't think it's too early to start tapping into that yeah. community.
0: Do you think it is essential to hold stock or are there enough, depending on what you're creating, vendors where you can just kind of pay as things are ordered?
2: I think it depends on kind of what you want to do product wise. hmm the scale in which you want to grow. I mean, we're seeing today, you know, there's tons of print-on-demand sites. Mm -hmm. Amazon has its own. Redbubble is a fan-based one. There's Mm -hmm. so many user-generated design sites that literally you throw up a design people can order one. Right. The economics of that are not as strong as if (laughs) you were to carry stock, but then you have to be confident that you're going to sell through that stock. Right. So it totally depends on the nature of the situation.
1: Right. We usually, um, at least for the artists that I work with, do a pre-order for the first few days yeah. and then see how much we sell and then use that to gauge how much we should have on stock. Yeah,
2: that's. A, I mean, so, that's a good play too. Because yeah. you know what your minimums are. So you right. can you know, do the minimum run based off of what you get from a pre-order campaign and then go from there and right. scale from there.
0: Right. So when it comes to the perfect storm in helping music take off and really just trying to create moments around artists. I, there's definitely the opportunity for a rising tide to lift all ships and really kind of coordinate the launch of these interesting product activations surrounding the release of a project. Are there any interesting times when you guys have released products in tandem with music releases? Or is that is that kind of like part of the consistent playbook? Or how do you guys approach balancing those two different aspects of an artist's business?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, like we said earlier, it'd be great if there was (laughs) an established timeline (laughs) and and artists and labels stuck to it. It, That would be awesome. Then we could build a long-range plan. We could be like, oh, we have six to eight months to build this story out and all the stars can align. But unfortunately, that is just not realistic in the music industry. So it kind of happens on a... Holy moly, that happened! Yeah,
0: type yeah, yeah. situation. Yeah. In <laughs> we did <the> yesterday, <laughs> and
2: we can pretend we planned for it right. as much as we want, but it just happened that it all fell into place. Right. Um. But there, are, you know, there are times where that's happened. We worked with the Flaming Lips. They had a new album coming out. We partnered with Dogfish Head beer and released a summer kind of flavored beer. It just so happened that the timing made sense. It ended up being one of their most successful music collaborative beers that they've launched. Um, And it happened to be a pink beer, which also made it unique and very Flaming Lips-like. Yeah, yeah. And then we followed that up with a whiskey release. Mm. So when they launched the whiskey, they were doing the promo for their new album. They were signing bottles, and it kind of became like a marketing lift and kind of spotlight for the music as well.
1: That's awesome. You got to make sure the beer is good, too.
2: We always make sure the beer
0: (laughs) is good. (laughs) There are, th- yeah, thorough research <laughs> We
2: just did a whiskey tasting last week Make sure it tasted good
1: Nice That's cool That's cool um, I want to get a little bit into your business development background as well Because that's so unique for the music industry to talk about okay. um, So what are, what are a few values you try to instill in your team and, and model in your own work?
2: Okay uh, let's see. When you said business development, I was like, hmm, what, what is my business development background? Yeah. But I guess from a, a team
1: perspective. Yeah, that's what I mean.
2: <laughs> um, I pride myself on having a team and mm-hmm. leading by example. So um, I think it's really important to nurture the next generation of leaders. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people in any industry get promoted throughout their career and then all of a sudden have the responsibility of taking care of a team and have no idea what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So they may be really great at the business side of things and really poor at the human kind of quotient. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I put a lot of effort into that space. So, I mean, I talk a lot about leading with compassion because at the end of the day, we all are people. We make mistakes. Things change. We have responsibilities outside of work. Yeah. So it's about kind of balancing and prioritizing in that respect, um, and also again, like I said, leading by example. So, if I'm on vacation. I'm turning my phone off. I expect you to do the same, and Damn, you're not going to reach out to me. Awesome. I'm not going to reach out to you. Yeah, which I know is rare yeah. in the music industry.
1: Yeah, well. very rare. Definitely very harder rare. for a
2: manager to do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, because I'm I have to uh, have to bow to the artist directly, right? So, like, I had a text earlier today where. One of my clients was like, how long do I have to do this? I said, well, they actually work regular hours. So you got to let me know like immediately. (laughs) I was like, I know know I'm around. I'm around all the time. But like they get off at a time. So you don't have until tonight to finish this. You have to kind of do it now. And I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I'm just saying that's how they work. And that's how we work, you know.
2: Right. The best is when they're on the West Coast and you're on the East Coast. And the client's like, we need it by end of business day. And then. I get hit up at like (laughs) nine o'clock at night (laughs) and it's like, okay, got it. I was like, that was the end of business day, East coast time, (laughs) not West coast time. (laughs) Right. But no, I mean, at the end of the day, my my team knows how to reach me. So if it's an emergency, they'll get me and I'll pick up. But Mm. you know, I think we all benefit from having the ability to step away and reset. And I think it's really important, even in the middle of the day, go for a walk kind of get your mind right. Yeah kind of recenter, or I'll take my team out on like an excursion, go to a museum, go to a pop-up shop. That's for another artist, go to an art gallery, just get inspired because I think we can get really kind of in our bubbles. And then you don't get a diversity of
1: thought that
0: way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you get to like the senior, senior tiers of like an organization like Warner, um, what do you feel are various traits that are, shared amongst like leadership and senior people that aren't necessarily as common uh, once you get like lower down in the organization?
2: Um, I think that's interesting because, and again, I don't have anything to compare it to from a music industry perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Warner's the only music world that I've lived in. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I said earlier, what brought me from working for myself to working in an office environment again was the people and it was the leadership. And it was because I felt like they've created a culture that celebrates creativity, celebrates diversity of thought. It's not stuck on a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. So, and I practice this with my team. Good ideas can come from anywhere. I don't care what your title is. Mm-hmm. If you're an intern, like speak up. So I think you see those values kind of resonate through every tier of leadership from entry level all the way up to
0: the senior level at Warner. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Super.
1: Um, cool. What do you think is unique to the music industry business versus uh, versus other industries? Since you do have experience in like the corporate world, other than obviously we've talked a lot about things change last minute, but other things that you've had to get accustomed to since since working in the music industry.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, we touched on it. Process the fact that there is the live human quotient, right? You know, and. That's such a curveball that can be thrown at every, any given time because these artists go through the same trials and tribulations, if not with a bigger spotlight on them to make it even harder than any other normal person does. And so I often joke that the music business is an oxymoron because how can you balance something that's very business minded and has to fit in like a certain <laughs> box yeah. with something that is truly an art? Right. And kind of is all over the place and is like a paint spatter right. or a paint splatter. So I mean, I think that's the biggest difference right there is kind of the nature of the human element.
1: Right. Um, I know a lot of my friends don't go out as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, like, just like naturally. Oh. I don't know if that I don't know if that goes into, you know, what you do as well, but I think I think at least if definitely in the artist management world, it's a lot of like face-to-face, being at shows, getting drinks with somebody. Oh, really? um, and that's something that even coming from college, I've had to be like, okay, like I can't hang out this evening. I have drinks with so-and-so from this and this and company. I think, I think that generally is a little bit different than like the corporate world. People, at least I know, can straight up disconnect. But sometimes my social life can overlap tremendously with my work life just by nature of how people interact in general in the yeah. music industry.
2: It's not a nine to five (laughs) by any means.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I will say that coming from even more of a corporate environment, it still was entertainment. So there was Mm. still a lot of entertaining to be done. Right. It was just done typically in a more uh, controlled setting. (laughs) So you'd go to a restaurant and have a business dinner. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in the music industry, it's like you get on a tour bus and there's blood being passed and you have a conversation yeah, yeah. and you there at two in the morning. So it's very different in that respect. Or you go to a show and you, like, for me, I go to a show, I bring a client, I want them to meet the artist. Well, I'm not leaving when the audience leaves. I have to stick around, wait, yeah. kind of. Then it's midnight and we go backstage and it's a hang and it's like drinks are pouring and... <laughs> You know, it's building those relationships. So there's a lot of FaceTime. Right. It's all about relationships. And that's a big value, I think, that anyone that wants to succeed in this business has to have and hold on to because it's not an email or text industry. And Well, there's a lot of texts and there's a lot of emails. <laughs> to you're not getting there's really anything done in that respect. Yeah. You got to sit, kick it, make sure they understand where you're coming from. And build those relationships so that you build confidence and trust.
1: Right. I mean, a lot of the times this happens all the time to me. I'll go out and meet somebody I've been on email with, and we didn't even know what we look like. So it'll be like, it'll be like, I'm Jordan. Oh yeah. Oh, you're. Oh, you're Jordan. You. I was the one. You. You. Oh. And then, and then it's like this slow build to like, oh, I kind of know you a little bit, but yeah. it doesn't really mean anything unless I see them in person and can do that. Oh, it know?
2: goes miles to put a face to a name. Yeah. I mean, I joke with my team all the time. I'm like, pick up the phone, go to the person's office, meet them for coffee, go for a drink, get out of the office, have lunch. Like, you need to have that foundation because more clicks in person from an energy and vibe standpoint than you could ever get through words.
1: Right, right. Especially when everything is all business. You know, I one of my mentors, I, I asked like, you know, she seems like she knows everybody. It's like every time I go out, it's like, oh, you know her? Oh, like it's not even a surprise anymore. So I was like, you know, how are you meeting these people? What are you doing? And she's like, I go out and ask them how their day is. (laughs) Like, I'm not talking about the music industry. Like, I ask them where they grew up, you know, more about their life. And then it builds that trust. So when something work-related comes in, it doesn't feel like it's the only thing they've ever talked about.
2: Totally. Well, you find common ground that way.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: I mean, they say, like, right, networking 101, that the last thing you should ask someone is, oh, what do you do for a living? Because... I mean, it works, and some people love to talk about that, but it's much more real when you talk about, oh, those are cool kicks that you've got on, where right. you get those from, or right. whatever it may be.
0: Right. For sure. For sure. When it comes to, uh, for that too, no, just a, aside there, I think even just in general, when it comes to like creating human connection, people don't get vulnerable enough with people they don't <laughs> know well. I think like even just the, the basic like conversational patterns that people have for like small talk are like very they go directly against the grain of creating like a genuine connection with
1: another human being it's like it's
2: it's hard yeah small talk is like my worst nightmare (laughs) yeah
1: yeah yeah i always ask people where they're from because i feel like that tells me a lot about who you are it can if you're if if you take pride in where you're from so obviously i've asked i've asked somebody where they were from and they told me and it's kind of like like for some reason, like no diss to Long Island, but whenever people tell me they're from Long Island, it's like I'm I'm from Long Island. <laughs> so yeah, like, that's so like, true. You know, I'm, I'm that's so Long true. Yeah. I like to ask people what, what they're <laughs> what they're excited by,
0: because then it gets people. You learn a lot about a person based on what they're driven by and what lights them up, and that's right. like one very simple way to right. get to a point that's beyond just like, "How was your day? Good. Yeah." Like, what's the most exciting thing you've done this last week? Or what's one thing you're really excited one.
1: about working on? That's a good one. That is a good one. Or like challenges. I ask, what do you like to do? Just in general. In life. Yeah. yeah, and then people are like, at work? I'm like, no. What do you like to do? If you like your job, you can tell me about your job. But if there's something else you like to do, like, that's such a broad what's a hobby? Question. What's a hobby like, that oh, you do?
2: I like to do everything. That's why it's <laughs> a good question.
1: Because then people just talk, you know. And I can take things out of people's sentences and then go yeah. from that, you know
2: yeah I tend to kind of based on the environment or the situation that we're in, whether it's at a show or if we're at like an event, kind of focus on something that's happening there mm-hmm. and kind of ask or mm-hmm. like start the conversation that way, like, yeah, yeah, oh, what do you think about you know what that person had on or you, know. <laughs> you
1: start gossip yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo, you see sense. our shoes, bro yeah. you know, like oh the food Food's really good, yeah. Totally true. Totally. And the weather. How many, I like so, so oh, many conference calls about the wood. Oh, oh how are you doing? That's oh, I'm the good. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's cold. It's really cold. That's, that's like the first thing people go to. Yeah. Or, oh, it's so hot. It's hot out here. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. You're right. <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't get that one. But I, I like succumb oh, to it too. God. It's
1: like, yeah, it's so hot. Damn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell that's me about it, thing. Scott. That's <laughs> no. the thing, man. I also like. Acknowledging awkward situations yes. For some reason that's like
2: But that's what I meant by I like like doing. finding something in the present moment Yeah
1: yeah yeah. Um, so like I've You know I was saying goodbye To somebody I had recently met And we tried to do a little handshake thing It kind of went into a hug And it was like ah what are we doing And then, And then he was about to walk away I was like no we can't walk away on that <laughs> <laughs> that was awkward as hell. <laughs> like we, yeah. we gotta do we gotta do it better. We gotta yeah. And then he came back and laughed and everything like that. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Not um, small talk. Going back to the, the product side, what are certain trends you've noticed about artists and their connection with fans that enable them to sell more products? Because I feel outside of just like follower, and engagement rate, is there anything that from your perspective that you see artists do well that enables them to monetize or better sell products to their audience?
2: I mean, I think it is knowing their audience, Mm -hmm. but also knowing themselves. Yeah. Right. So, and, and fans can kind of read through it. So if the artist is putting out a bunch of stuff and they're not passionate about it, or it feels like a, like a slap job where you're just like kind of throwing a logo or a name on there Fans are hip to that and they're just going to be like, mm, I'm not really feeling that. Like, why should I buy into this? Yeah. So it's kind of knowing them and knowing you and your brand, so to speak. Right. And Kind of how does that translate into product? Right. Um, we've had artists that can sell out arena tours, but maybe not sell that much merchandise. Right. And sometimes there's just is a, just a natural disconnect. Yeah. Um, or sometimes it only sells on tour and it won't sell anywhere else. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to find the perfect formula per se. But if they're into that space, whether it's fashion, gaming like Wiz or fragrance like Melanie, then that's going to resonate with the fan who wants to have a piece of
0: their world. Right, right, for sure. Are there what are trends? You're, are there any trends you're seeing that are really changing the way um, that artists can operate within this world of like products and and licensing? I mean, I know you mentioned. Uh, how social media has opened up commerce and enabled like D to C trends. Are there any other things that have been top of mind for you or things you're really thinking a lot about as the industry continues to change?
2: I think D to C for sure. I think that industries outside of music are changing very rapidly. Mm -hmm. So like the beauty industry, we talked about Kylie, like, Mm -hmm that for a long time that went untouched and then people like rihanna and kylie have just come on like completely shaking things up right um and so it's forcing other industries to change so i think artists you know who realize they have a voice can have a very strong one to impact an industry or like a product space that they might be really passionate about right um you know even back 150 did it with vitamin water right like Mm -hmm. That was game changing. Mm-hmm. The fact that he took an investment approach and for a lot, it seemed like really unexpected. Right. But he played those business moves. Right. So I think it's just about artists kind of getting savvy and understanding the different areas and kind of connecting with it because trends are trends, but what they tap into will always be what works. Yeah. You know, it goes back to the authenticity kind of aspect of things.
0: For sure. Do you think it makes sense for artists to aspire to have their brands, not their artist brand, but like product brands, transcend the fan, their own fans? And when I dive deeper, you look at like, um, I'd say, like somebody would not buy an art if you're not a, a big fan of an artist, you wouldn't buy their merch. But then talking about, like, RockAware, even if you're not a major Jay-Z fan at a time, that was just, like, fashion, where even mm-hmm. if you weren't a big fan, like, that that brand had appeal beyond just diehard fans. Um, or, like, Sean John or something like yeah, that. Exactly, yeah, exactly, right? And then, I mean, I guess even to an extent, like, I, don't, I mean, I'm not as in touch with, like, the, the beauty market, but I would presume that there's a big segment of people. I mean, is there people that like Kylie's products that don't like Kylie's? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know so. so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, so... Do you think artists should aspire towards that, towards creating brands and products that can transcend solely their artist fan base?
2: I think, again, it depends on what their goal is. If it's financial, is it creative? Is it like community building? Um, because I don't think it's like kind of a one shoe fits all type situation. Right. I mean, you look at logic, like, you know, obviously really big on the music side, but has created brands outside of music, totally. clothing lines, which we worked with him on to the novel that he right. just put out. Right? right. And I, I'm pretty sure there's people who maybe have never listened to his music picking up that novel because it sounds interesting and kind of jives with what they like to read. Totally. So, you know, whether or not that that was the goal that they set out with was like, I'm going to create a brand that's going to capture a fan outside of music or not, the fact is that he kind of stayed true to the creative aspect of what he wanted to do, and by a result, it brought in a casual fan.
0: Right, mm-hmm. for sure.
2: Otherwise, it's forced.
0: Totally, totally. Yeah, no, that Logic Project's interesting, too. That book. It's like New York Times bestseller, wasn't it? Yeah, it
2: was. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing. More power yeah,
0: yeah. What What um, traditional retail channels? I know we've talked about that they're less relevant, but do you still think they are relevant once you get to a certain scale?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think you want to, I mean, again, it it goes back to kind of getting the casual fan and ultimately in a world of digital commerce and kind of streaming and where you don't have the album cover, you don't have the CD sleeve, Mm -hmm. whatever it may be, become, with a t-shirt, a walking billboard. So if you can put a walking billboard onto a fan's back, yeah, like it's going to start a conversation somewhere.
0: Right. And that might
2: bring that person into the music space. Totally. And they may have bought it just because they think it's a dope shirt and they think the graphics are cool and then they get turned on to the music. Right. And it happens all the time. Yeah. So I think retail is important because it's still a physical way to experience the brand, Mm -hmm. whatever brand it may be, whether it's an artist or, a product or whatever. That's why you're seeing a lot of digitally native brands that maybe got started on Instagram creating pop up experiences. Right. Or they're having a showroom somewhere because people still want to touch and feel and interact.
0: Mm-hmm. So I don't think
2: that ever is going to go away. Right. People talk about retail kind of being in a landslide. Mm-hmm. I think it's changing. Right. That's all.
0: Yeah, for sure. How are you approaching a lot of like retail and products for you guys, artists? I think
1: it depends on the artist. Um, I think I think for for one of my clients, it's very focused on the artists themselves um, and the and and the branding around the artists and the album. And but I also work for someone else where it's like let's just make this super cool, and then the artist's name just like somewhere on it. You know what I mean? Where we just try to get people to buy yeah. it because it looks great first. Mm-hmm. You know. But I think it just depends on the artists themselves and. What their fans want totally and, and the and also the the role of merchandise to your overall business and what role you want it to play, you know so I think for the artist where at least the one that I work on, um, in my opinion, I think we should be focusing more on the designs because there are a lot of people that just go to his website and buy the shirts to buy the shirts, you know, which is a fan that's a little bit different than hearing the album. And then going to want to support via buying merchandise, you know. Yeah, so it
2: sounds like you can push the creative limits a little bit more. Exactly. Which is great.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's
2: like the perfect medium. Right. Between the two worlds.
1: Right. And, you know, the things that he thinks are really cool are also authentic to him. So it's not like we're just putting stuff out because, oh, it's cool, but it's off brand. And it doesn't make sense for him to put out. There's There's a healthy mix of them both, I think. Yeah. You know. Um, But definitely lean more on the, even the creators that we get to make the merchandise. It's not just somebody putting his name on a t-shirt. It's like a designer, you know? And then they also design merch. You know what I mean?
2: That's a Um, big trend right now as well in in music and merchandise. It's mm -hmm. like working with either a streetwear brand or a designer from a streetwear brand to kind of create the line. It adds like a bit of legitimacy to... Kind of the fact that this artist is going into this space, right? Um, right. It's like a cosign, basically. Right, right. So not every artist can pull that off, but for the ones that can, it's a good move.
1: Yeah, it's definitely more expensive up front. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> yes, it those, is. those designers charge designer fees, <laughs> so. And that's why that's, I said, that.
2: that's another factor to kind of consider. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, for at sure. what
2: point do you do that?
1: Right. Right. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I think for me, it's in my experience so far, it's, it's been dependent on the artist and all of the things that come along with their vision for themselves and that sort of thing. I try not to do anything the same, automatically at least. I think, I think that's something that my boss taught me this year. It's like, okay, you made a decision. Why did you make that decision? Okay, and then why did you do that? And what he's trying to get to is, is, is the decision you're making right now strategic? Smart. And that's smart boss. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I learned this year. That's like changed my outlook pretty much on my entire, everything that I do. So, yeah.
2: And that can be applied in any aspect of life. Yeah. The why.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: So, Are there, I guess, closing question here, but are there any like principles or mantras that you feel like have had a foundational impact in your career?
2: principles or mantras or
0: just kind of rules to live by or things you feel like you've internalized or Or a book
1: anything
2: man (laughs) so much
1: yeah yeah
2: um I went to Peru when I left my corporate entertainment job and sat with a shaman and drank cactus juice and felt like at that moment things kind of Gelled for me. Mm-hmm. Wow,
1: that's awesome.
2: That's <laughs> like s-
1: so awesome that you did that.
2: <laughs> yeah, it changed everything for me. I mean, it was right before like, I basically came back to New York and was like, I'm leaving. And I left that job uh-huh. and I left the relationship I was in. I basically was like, wow. start over, which sounds kind of drastic and <laughs> right. crazy. Yeah. But I'm not, I'm not crazy. <laughs> to be yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I learned in that moment was fear is a necessary construct it's humbling it's something that we need um it's a defense mechanism but when you let it spiral out of control it will cripple you mm. so to be aware of what fear you may be carrying inside and why you may not be doing or pursuing the things that you want to do and kind of tracing that back to the root of the fear and mm-hmm. tackling it it's mm-hmm. really important because i think every day whether we know it or not we're living in some aspect of a fear of something, mm. and so addressing that head on and kind of recognizing and acknowledging it is the first step of getting past it.
1: Well, damn! <laughs> there you go. That was a very good answer. <laughs> well, thanks. Nice, Just, nice. Yeah, you
2: know, I've got a pretty pr- drink some cactus. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, man, you, you, you want to give
0: me a referral? Sure. <laughs> What, what artist try to, is going to start their own cactus tree <laughs> <song. laughs> yeah. Exactly. And for
1: Travel Company yeah. to take you to Peru. Yeah. Exactly. Fully
0: integrated. Well, yeah. Alex, thank you so much for coming on. We really pers- uh, personally enjoyed this conversation a lot.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Um, thank you. Right. I really enjoyed that episode. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was great. I thought it was great. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting when you think about it too because artists are able to build up really powerful brands and we're seeing people like Kylie Jenner build thriving billion-dollar businesses around their communities. I think artists should take that same level of creativity and, and kind of business savviness towards how they can better monetize their audience in an authentic way. And I think... Alex and a lot of her perspectives around how they've been approaching that at Warner, super incredible. So I think for all our listeners too, I really encourage you guys to really just think like, what are authentic, what, what's important to you, your artists, what are, whether it's fashion, merch, other
1: random products, how can you go about better monetizing your audience? Right. And I think it starts off from just, you know, what does your client like? What is your artist like? And then not taking no for an answer or not thinking that things are too outside of the box, you know, was Khalifa likes video games. They made a video game, you know, you can do that now. And, and the they, video games didn't even used to exist 20, 30 years ago, you know? So now, especially with the digital boom in general, there's just so many things that artists can do to make money. And, and just getting to the bottom of that, we went into it briefly in our conversation, but getting to the bottom of that, it's just, it's, it, it sounds really fun. What she does sounds honestly, very, very fun to do. So, yeah. Yeah. But Jordan, you gotta stop growing that Reggie on with app, bro. <laughs> See, I'm not,
0: I, I got that gas out here on this. Hey, app, bro. yo, it was funny. It, it was funny. She was light, like, she was like, people are giving monitoring. it reviews, Jordan. Yeah. That's too much. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm
1: just, you know, I'm wondering, you know. Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you got if you got a weed app, do, can you can you grow bad weed? I thought that was a pretty we fair gotta, question. We gotta give Jordan you know, some some, uh, some quality assurance tips <laughs> in regards to his grow operations. Yeah, the way she was talking about product and stuff, I was like, "Damn, we talking about selling weed right now on the podcast." Yeah. <laughs> That's the first. Yeah. Damn, I know it's a video game, but we getting into really, really, really selling weed right now. There we go. Well, uh,
0: <laughs> another week, another podcast. <laughs> you know what it is. Never know what to expect out here. Uh, we appreciate y'all greatly. Um, also super grateful for Banzatown studio letting us record here. Super incredible space, super incredible app. I know Jordan uses it regularly for his artists.
1: I use it today. It's funny, every time you every time we bring this up, I'm always like, I use it today, and it sounds whack, but I actually do use Banza Town every single day. It's super easy to embed in artists' websites, and I think that's the main draw that artist managers like myself have. So when we announce tours, there's no extra Web developer that needs to come in to change the dates. We literally just update in the app and the embed code updates right on the website. So oh, I'm a big fan, straight up authentic. Love it.
0: Dope. Just like we love y'all. We'll just see you like, next like we week. love y'all. All right. Peace. <laughs>